0: Brethren, Brother Bob here again. I'm going into part three of my Hidden in Plain Sight Kingdom podcast. In part four of this four part series about what the Bible says about God's future millennial and new earth kingdoms, I will discuss in more detail what these kingdoms will look like. Unfortunately, most of you have never been taught a lot of the biblical stuff that I share on these podcasts. The kingdom teaching being one of those things that most believers have never been taught about. Well, the kingdom teaching is there, but you have to want to see it. Listen, I'm not going to get everything right about the kingdom teaching in these podcasts, but I do have a lot of what I share right. And I might not say everything just right, and I might upset some of you, but I promise you this. What I'm sharing with you is from the scriptures, and it is for God's people in a church age. So with that said, if you've already made up your mind that Brother Bob is absolutely wrong, then there's not much I can do for you. I encourage you to go listen to a Joel Osteen podcast if you want to get your ears tickled. There's a 100% chance that I'm right when I tell you that the Bible has kingdom teachings scattered throughout it. And I'm 100% right that those some of those teachings are for the church age people, for born-again believers. Some of it's also for Old Testament believers. But either way, the teachings in the scriptures about the kingdom are for believers. I'm talking about literal kingdoms, not some mystical cloud and harp kingdoms. You have to decide in your heart and mind if you're will, if you willing to love the truths of God's written word more than your church buddies, more than your church leaders, even more than your family members. Because a lot of those people are going to tell you stuff that just isn't biblical. I've been a serious-minded Bible study for many years, and even though I know that there are a lot of unserious-minded Bible believers out there in the churches, I'm still always amazed at a number of Christian men and women that I have shared God's truths with who have chosen to reject what I'm trying to share with them because they took the advice of some family member who knows as much about the truths of God's word as Yogi Barabubu. Brethren, God's biblical truths are available to all of us, but they're only found by those who genuinely seek for them. That means you can't put your finger in a socket and expect the truths of God's word to flow through your finger and into your mind. Now, I know for a fact I'm going to be a lot of brothers and sisters in the Lord in the next life who are going to say, Brother Bob, I should have listened to what you were trying to teach me instead of listening to my foolish heart. Now, I do not claim to have all the truths of God's written word figured out. However, after 40 plus years of reading and studying God's word, I have learned a lot. And I've learned that God's ways are not man's ways. I've also learned that biblical truth is not determined by majority rule. Listen to me carefully. If you are following a supposed Bible teacher or Bible doctrine that is accepted by most people in the world, it's more likely than not you're on the wrong path. The ways and the truths of God's written word were not even popular or liked when Yeshua Christ taught them. Imagine how much less liked they're going to be today. Luke 16, 10, Christ said, if you are faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large things. But if you are unfaithful in little things, you will also be unfaithful with greater things. I promise you that if you follow along and take notes and pray about what I share with you and diligently get into your Bible and study what I'm trying to get across to you, you too will see the hidden in plain sight kingdom teachings of the scriptures. Sadly, a lot of God's children believe that if they are truly born again, they are not only going to be saved to heaven, they also believe that they're going to receive all of God's heavenly kingdom rewards and blessings. Saints, it doesn't work that way. Yes, the free gift of eternal life, the free gift of eternal salvation from hell, was paid for by Christ's blood. And it's freely given to all who truly believe the gospel of Christ. But in heaven, there is no such thing as free rewards or free kingdom blessings or free honors for somebody just because they're a child of God. John 5, verse 28 through 29. Don't be surprised. Indeed, a time is coming when all the dead in the graves will hear the voice of God's Son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to and experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Brethren, these verses are written to and about believers. Lost people can never be good enough to rise to eternal life. All right. So that's how I know that these verses are written about believers. I know that because no one who is lost or unsaved gets eternal life by being good. Here's a verse again. To those who have done good, they will rise to experience and enjoy eternal life. Brethren, this verse is not teaching that lost or unsaved people can do enough good things to earn or enjoy eternal life. Lost people are condemned to hell from the moment they come out of the womb. The Bible clearly teaches us that it's impossible for any human being in and of ourselves to be ever be good enough to earn our way to heaven. That also means nobody who's lost or unsaved can ever be good enough to earn their way out of hell. When the believers are going to be resurrected, the ones that are in their grave, their bodies are going to be resurrected, we're going to get glorified bodies. And the ones who are faithful are going to spend eternity in the joy of the Lord. And the ones that the Lord, the believers that the Lord deems unfaithful, the Bible teaches they're going to be kicked out of the kingdom. They're going to be separated from the Lord. They're going to live in a place of outer darkness. It's not hell, but outer darkness, away from the fellowship and the love and the peace of Christ. That's a serious matter, people. Again, you need to understand that anytime time in the scriptures it talks about somebody being blessed in eternity because of how faithful or good or honest or righteous or true they were. It's talking about people who are believers already, Because lost people can never be righteous and true and faithful without knowing Christ as their Savior. Understand that. The Bible says unbelievers or lost people or saved people are cut off from God until they accept Christ as their Savior. There's a parallel verse in Daniel about this reward that's going to happen to believers. It says in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. At that time, Michael the archangel who stands guard over your nation will arise. There will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people, whose name is written in the book of life, will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Remember, we're talking about believers here. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. The those that we read about in these verses are those believers, those people who have their faith in God that he's their redeemer. These are people who we would consider to be born again. In amongst them born again people, uh, in amongst them bodies that were buried and are risen up, there'll be some of those born again believers who enter the joy of the Lord and some of those born-again believers will be condemned to the judgment to seat of Christ and spend eternity in everlasting disgrace. Get over it. That's what it's teaching. You need to you need to understand the seriousness of our walk with Christ. Now, again, if you're a born-again believer trying and striving to walk with the Lord according to scriptures, you're fine. You're doing good. Just keep moving forward. Keep studying your word, stay in the word, talk to the Lord. I mean, you you know, just keep moving forward. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. Don't get caught up in the ways of the world. Just have an attitude that you want to serve the God who died for you. The Lord will deal with you, take care of you. But there's a lot of believers in the church today who have a foot in the world and a toe on the fence of God. And there's going to be a serious time of judgment for these believers. They're going to find out that they sold their soul their eternal life, now there's, they're still not going to go to hell, but they sold they sold their opportunity to spend their eternity in the joy of the Lord and God's kingdom because they loved the world and the ways of the world more than they did the God who died for them. That's a serious matter. And as I've shared 20 times already in my podcast, that's what the kingdom reward teachings are about. It's not rocket science stuff, brethren. If you're faithful, if the Lord deems you faithful at the judgment street, how faithful you were will determine what kind of rewards and blessings and honors you have as you live in the kingdom of God, either the millennial kingdom or the new earth kingdom. But there's also going to be born again believers at the judgment seat of Christ, who Christ is going to look at them and say, I'm ashamed of you. You denied me. You, were, you weren't faithful in witnessing and sharing my faith. You uh, you ignored the, the commandments and the things that I, that you knew were that were for the church age that you should have been doing. It just There's a whole bunch of reasons why the Lord is going to judge and condemn children of God and kick them out of the kingdom in eternity. Again, they're not going to go to hell, but they're going to be away from the presence and the joy and the fellowship and the peace of the Lord and the Lord's faithful believers for all eternity. That should scare the bejeebies out of any believer who's, who's walking the fence and uh, of life they have again uh, one leg in the world one leg in the church but they're not really serious about serving their savior i mean it should scare the daylights out of you to think that you could step into heaven and be judged to be outside of, of the kingdom of god away from the presence of the light of the lord and the joy of the lord and the fellowship of the lord and the fellowship of other faithful believers forevermore that's what the outer darkness is about that's what the warning verses in the Bible are about the kingdom all are about. Christians need to understand, again, simply being a child of God does not mean things are going to go well for us in eternity. God has to find his faithful. And whatever level we're faithful at, he'll decide that, but we need to be found faithful. If we are found unfaithful, just like Christ said, a believer is going to be put in the outer darkness, out of the kingdom. Again, that should scare the bejeebies out of anybody who's truly a born-again child of God, who's not really serious about how they live their life for Christ. Brethren, you got a little sick of your brain cells. that in eternity, the Lord blesses his children are who are faithful, not his children who are simply born again. Put another way, in eternity, the Lord blesses his children for what they do and not for who they are. Now, I ended part two with us visiting the New Jerusalem in the book of Revelation. The New Jerusalem is a massive city that God sets up in his new heavens and earth kingdom. Again, New Jerusalem is massive. The city is 1,500 miles long, 1,500 miles wide, and 1,500 miles high. Now, I'm not going to delve into all the details of the New Jerusalem in his podcast, but just remember that there are only believers, both Old and New Testament believers, with new sinless glorified bodies living on the new heaven and earth kingdom. So that means there are no unsaved or lost people living on this planet during this time. Okay, now I shared that in the last podcast because people need to understand that in the book of Revelation, when it talks about believers who are not allowed who are not allowed to go into the city, those are born-again Christians who were judged unfaithful to judge and see the judgment seat of Christ. And because of that, the consequences are that they were not allowed to be in the millennial kingdom, and they're not going to be allowed to live in the new Jerusalem that's on the new heaven and earth kingdom. Those are the consequences of sin. That's why the Bible teaches we're going to be judged for the good and bad things we do. You need to understand that just because a believer gets a new sinless glorified body in eternity— that does not mean that the Lord is going to overlook or forget about the good or bad ways his children live their earthly life. Again, Revelation 22, 14, which is talking about the new Jerusalem, which is on the new planet, which is full of only born again, saved, redeemed, glorified people. It says, blessed are those believers who wash their robes. That means who through repentance and faithfulness kept their wedding garment or kept their robe spotless because the sin was washed away by the blood of Christ through repentance. He said, my faithful children will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life in the city, which is the New Jerusalem. But on the outside of the New Jerusalem, on the New Earth Kingdom, which is only full of born-again believers or saved believers, if you want to call them that, are the dog sorcerers, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters. You could say gossips. You could say all those who are envious, jealous, drunken people. You can say all those things. All those people who love to live a lie. There's a whole list of people. Remember in the Book of Galatians, Paul warned the Galatian believers: if you practice these sins as a believer, you will not be in the kingdom. Okay. Now again. This these verses in Revelation 22, 14 through 16 are warning that on a new heaven and a new earth, that some of God's children are not going to be allowed to go into New Jerusalem because of their past sinful lifestyle. We gotta get we we need to get that down pat. We need to understand that. That there's gonna be consequences in the next life for that child of God who is living a lukewarm, casual, flippant. Easy believ- believism type of Christian life. So the verse says that the dogs living on that planet are not going to be allowed to live in the New Jerusalem. We're going to, into the New Jerusalem. Now, who are the dogs? Well, some Bible scholars usually understand the term dogs to, mean, to be a metaphor for false teachers or immoral people who practice immorality. Again, brethren, you need to listen to this verse using your mind, not your heart. You need to listen using your mind because logically, factually, and practically, living on the new earth, the new heavens and new earth, are only going to be people who were eternally saved from hell. No unbelievers, no lost people, no wannabe Christians, no wannabe believers, no nice, sincere religious people who are lost. It's just people who were from the days of Adam and Eve until the last person born who were redeemed by their faith and the fact that God would pay for their sins. And yet, we see that these that there are some people on this new or heaven a new earth who are who are labeled as being these kind of immoral sinful people. And that's because when they died at the judgment seat, they were determined to be unfaithful by the Lord and they were banished from ever being able to live in the kingdom. That was their punishment. God's Punishment for his children who he found to be unfaithful were banished from our ever being or living in the kingdom or going into New Jerusalem. Now, again, these believers were not found to be unfaithful because they didn't live a perfect sinless life. They were found to be unfaithful because they didn't deal with their sins when they got caught up in them or they totally chose to disobey God's commandments that they knew they should have kept. However, whatever happens at the judgment seat, it's going to be fair and just, and God is going to give us just what we deserve. We're all going to regret not doing enough for the Lord. But there are some believers who are really going to regret it because they did nothing for the Lord, or they rebelliously disobeyed the Lord, or they chose to live a sinful life knowing that they were a child of God and knowing that someday they were going to go to heaven, and, and they took advantage of God's grace. Well, now in eternity, they're going to pay the price for it. And their punishment is going to be to be kicked out of the millennial kingdom and to not be able to go into new Jerusalem on a new earth. That's how it is. It's a fact. This isn't Bob's opinion. This is a fact. A lot of God's people got to get over this silly idea that God is only about love and not about justness and fairness and holiness. So in Revelation chapter 22, verse 14 and 15, when you hear the words, Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city. It is speaking about believers that the Lord deem faithful. Not perfect, but faithful. 14 through 16, when you, when you read the words, outside of the city, on the new earth is what it's referring to, are those children of God. That's implied. Remember, because the only people living on the planet are believers who were once, and are still labeled as unrepentant drug dealers, drug abusers. That's what the word sorcery means. It means pharmakia, sexually immoral people, murderers, idol worshipers, which could have been anything from literal idol worshipers to worshiping your favorite sports team or your job or whatever it was, and to those who love a lie. You know, I think that term there is referring to those believers who knew the right thing to do but didn't teach the truth. I think there's gonna be a lot of shepherds on the outside of the city because shepherds knew what they should have been teaching the sheep but they refused to do it. There's gonna be consequences for that. So these believers are outside the city because the Lord deemed them unfaithful in their walk. So let me just go through this one more time. The new earth is a future kingdom of God. The new Jerusalem is a future city in the new earth kingdom of God. Literally, these are literal places. The people living in the new Jerusalem, which is located on the new earth in God's kingdom, are those eternally saved, born again people, because they accepted, i.e. believed, the free gift of eternal life that comes through believing the gospel of Christ. There are people from the church age and the tribulation period, children of God. They're living in the new Jerusalem because the Lord deemed them faithful at the judgment seat of Christ outside the city are those children of god that at the judgment seat of christ the lord deemed unfaithful again they're not outside the city because the lord deemed them lost or unsaved or never born again or or they were fake believers in the gospel no that's not why they're outside the city there are truly they are truly born again people who truly put their faith in the fact that god was going to pay for their hell debt redeem them from their sins who are now going to be kept out of the city because during their Christian life, they were found to be unfaithful children of God. Now, what I'm sharing with you is an open for debate. This is not like Bob might be right, he might be wrong. No, this is literally what's going to be taking place. These aren't Martians. These aren't a different breed of humans or aliens that God created. These are born-again people from the church age, or from the tribulation period, who were eternally saved from hell because they truly believed that Christ was their Savior. However, at the judgment seat of Christ, these born-again, eternally saved believers found out that simply being born again or getting saved at some time in your life was no guarantee that you were going to hear well done at the judgment seat. It was just being born again was no guarantee you were getting rewards, blessings, blessings, or special honors in the future kingdoms, simply born being born again at the judgment seat of Christ was not a guarantee that you were even going to be able to go into the new Jerusalem. Even being found unfaithful at the judgment seat of Christ kept a born again eternally saved believer from being able to become the bride of Christ. This is amazing stuff. And yet most people in the church just aren't taught it. So again, just outside the wall of the New Jerusalem are those eternally saved from hell, children of God, who put their faith in the gospel of Christ, who the Lord deemed unfaithful at the judgment seat, and the consequences for that were they were kept out of the new Jerusalem. Christ called this place, just outside the walls of the kingdom of God, the outer darkness. I'm going to read this in Matthew 25. Remember, the master that's, Christ uses the word master, that's symbolic for the Lord. And the servant is symbolic for a believer. Matthew twenty five twenty six 26-30 But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops that I didn't plant and gather crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then the master who was angry at this lazy servant said, Take away whatever this servant, lazy servant has and give it to the faithful servants. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little that they do have will be taken away. Then the master said, throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If all the eternal consequences of a believer's sins are immediately and eternally forgiven or forgotten when a person becomes a child of God, then what Christ is teaching here does not make any sense. How can there be consequences for being a lazy servant which is sin, if all those sins are forgiven. Remember, the only sin that Christ paid off for us was our hell debt that we owe God. That was unconditionally, completely, and eternally forgiven. How we live our life, our walk of faith, is what determines faithfulness or unfaithfulness. This lazy servant was deemed unfaithful, and he was kicked to the outer darkness in God's kingdom. In the outer darkness is a place just outside the wall of the New Jerusalem where you spend your eternity in weeping and sorrow because you're going to regret wasting your life, wasting being disobedient, wasting being unfaithful just to live for the world or the ways of the world. And for all eternity, you're going to be on the outside regretting that you weren't more faithful in serving the guy who died for you on the cross. In Matthew 25, the master who is the Lord, again, severely rebukes and punishes His servant for not doing a good job. Unsaved or lost people are not rebuked or punished by the Lord for not doing a good job for him. Unsaved people are punished in hell because they rejected Christ as their Savior. So the servant in this story has to be a saved child of God whom the master deemed unfaithful in his walk. And what are the eternal consequences for being found unfaithful at the judgment seat of Christ? Well, one of the consequences is you're kicked out of God's kingdom in the next life and have to spend your eternity outside the walls of the new Jerusalem on the new earth kingdom of God. That's just how it is, brethren. This is, again, this is not like really complicated stuff. So, brethren, it's important to understand that the consequences of not being found faithful by the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ can be eternal consequences. So again let this sink in saints that means that if the Lord deems a born again eternally saved from hell believer unfaithful or disobedient at the judgment seat of Christ one of the consequences will be that he the Lord does not allow that unfaithful believer to be in i.e. serve in the millennial kingdom in the next life which also means that the same unfaithful believer will most definitely not be allowed to live in the new Jerusalem on the new earth kingdom. That's why it says in Revelation twenty one, chapter twenty one and twenty two that that there's gonna be believers who are labeled as immoral sinners, liars, cheats, gossips, whatever they are, unfaithful, deceivers, false teachers. They were labeled that way because they died that way, and then they were judged at the judgment seat of being unfaithful. And be consequences for that, they carry that they carry that label or tag or they're identified as that type of unworthy believer for all eternity. That's why he says in Revelation 21, nothing impure can enter the city on the new Jerusalem, nor anyone who does shameful things or lies. Now, again, I'm going to keep saying this over and over until it sinks in. There are no lost or unsaved or never born again people living on the new earth kingdom. Everybody living on planet earth at this time is an eternally saved from hell believer who at one time or another trusted, genuinely trusted God as their Savior, and they now have a new glorified sinless body, but they have a name on the back of the shirt of their robe that says, this person died unrepentant or unfaithful or whatever it was. They're going to be labeled or known to be unfaithful, immoral, worldly, um, unloving, uncaring, unforgiving. There's a whole bunch of labels that... A believer can put on themselves because of their lousy Christian walk when they were still living on planet Earth in their sin-cursed body. That's why there's consequences for our sin behavior, and they don't show up, though, until the next life at the judgment seat of Christ. Again, that's why the Bible tells us, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Again, I share this a lot. There's no word love in that verse, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's because all believers born again, eternally saved believers are going to stand in the presence of the Lion of Judah and give an account of how they lived their life for him while they were still alive in their earthly bodies. The more faithful you are, the more rewards and more blessings you got. Now the Lord is a fair and honest and just God and we're going to get exactly what we deserve. Whatever faithful level we, we, we died at whatever faithful benefit we get for whatever spiritual level we die at. The Lord's going to give us just what we have coming. So again, you need to answer the question. It's really simple. On the, in Revelation 21, where it says, no one who does shameful things or practices lying or is a gossip or immoral or an idolater shall enter into the new Jerusalem. Okay, you need to tell me who these people are. All, all the unbelievers, unsaved people, people who never got born again, are already in the lake of fire. They were judged the great white throne judgment that already took place already. So who are these people? They're not aliens. They're not Martians. We're not talking about tree lizards here. We're talking about real people because of a sinful behavior or lifestyle. They're not allowed to enter into the New Jerusalem on a new earth that is full of only glorified believers. You tell me who that people are, brethren. Unfaithful believers are going to carry the stigma, i.e., consequences. Of a bad judgment throughout all their eternity. The Bible warns believers that God will not allow his children to flippantly ignore and mock him through open rebelliousness to his commandments or through just a flippant, casual, lackadaisical attitude towards serving him. They're not going to be allowed to do this without having eternal consequences. The Bible says, You reap what you sow. Now, sometimes you reap what you sow in the next life. And that's what the judgment seat is all about. Again, I'm going to keep saying this over and over and over again. Believing in the gospel of Christ makes a person a child of God. Believing in the gospel of Christ makes a person an eternally saved from hell believer. Unless they walk away from their faith, they never need fear going to hell. However, simply being a born-again child of God does not automatically save a child of God from bad consequences at the judgment seat of Christ. The Lord is going to judge our walk. Once we're born again, he's going to judge our walk. How obedient we are, what our heart attitude towards towards serving him, how much we study the word, how much we obeyed what we learned, how much we let God's word change our life. There's a whole bunch of things that the Lord is going to judge us for at the judgment seat. The more faithful we are, the more blessings we get in eternity. I know that there are a lot of true born-again believers who genuinely believe that eternity, for all of God's saved children, is going to be like one big hippie love-type commune, where all of God's eternally saved children gather around a large campfire in God's heavenly kingdom, singing "Goombayah," praising the Lord, and listening to the spiritual war stories of God's faithful people. Sorry, our God is not a Santa Claus God. Our heavenly Father didn't stop being holy and just simply because we're all together in his heavenly kingdom with our new glorified sinless body. Christ told the story of the master, i.e. the Lord, telling others in his kingdom to get these unfaithful children out of my sight, remove them from my presence, get them out of my kingdom forevermore, and send them to a special place that I have created for those unfaithful believers called the outer darkness. This is a place away from the joy of the Lord and the fellowship of the Lord. It's a place where these unfaithful servants will spend their eternity in sorrow and regret. They will spend their eternity in sorrow and regret because they know in their hearts and minds that they had not even tried to serve the God who freely offered them his only son as a sacrifice for their souls. Yes, the good Lord unconditionally, i.e., freely applies His Son's sacrifice as a way out of hell for all who truly believe. Simply being born again or getting born again sometime in the past does not prevent God's children from suffering some kind of eternal consequences for not being found to be a faithful believer. We got to, we got to get this into our head again, people. We have, we need to understand this. The fear of God's missing in most believers in the churches. It's all lovey-dovey, kissy-huggy stuff. we got to get the fear of God back in our heart. The Bible says the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Okay, them verses, A verse like that and as many other like that that teach about the importance of having a, a good, healthy fear of God is good for us. They're written to believers. Those aren't written to lost people. Now, again, we have a gracious Father. The blood of Christ can be used through confession and repentance to wash away, i.e. remove, any fleshly sins we commit after we're born again but there's a big difference between stumbling and sin and wallowing in sin. Wallowing in sin is going to have eternal consequences. Now, let me throw a little spiritual wrench into what I just said. What I said about the blood of Christ can cleanse us from all sin and wash away any consequences. Well, that's sort of true, but it's not always true. So what I'm about to share will put a little bit more of the fear of God into our lives. You need to listen carefully. It's important Repentance does not always remove the possible physical or eternal consequences the sins that a believer has commit, committed. okay, I'll give you an example. It's real quick one is Moses. Moses begged God forgiveness. He hit the rock, He wasn't supposed to hit the rock. He was supposed to speak to the rock. he hit it because he hit the rock. Moses' ministry was cut short. In fact, the Lord took him up on a mountain, showed him the promised land and then he took and then the Lord took him out, he killed him. Moses died because he hit the rock. Again, Moses pleaded for forgiveness. The Lord would not accept it. Now, again, it's the Lord who decides who he's going to forgive and not forgive. But this this should keep us on our toes. Ananias and Sapphira died for lying. Are you hearing me, saints? Ananias and Sapphira in the early church died for lying. They were taken out for lying. Their Christian lives, earthly lives, were cut short. Just as was Moses. I'm going to dig into the story of King David here to give a little bit more detailed example of somebody who was forgiven for what they did, but there still was consequences for what they did. You're probably thinking, Brother Bob, that doesn't make sense. Well, it does make sense because uh, an earthly example of that is if I'm a drunk driver and I, I, I kill some people because I was driving drunk, and at the courtroom when I'm in the presence of the people Maybe the parents of a daughter I killed, while I drunk, and I beg for their forgiveness, and they forgive me. They say, "We forgive you for what you did." That doesn't mean the judge is going to let me go. I'm going to face the consequence for killing somebody while I was driving drunk, even though the parents might forgive me for that. Well, that's kind of what happened to King David. He committed some sins that were so obviously wrong that the Lord put the hammer down on him big time. Even though the Lord forgave him, we're going to see that he still, David, still had serious. Conce- earthly consequences for his choosing to murder and commit adultery. And I'm sharing this story about King David because what happened to him on an earthly level can happen to believers on the kingdom level. Yes, the Lord will forgive us, but it doesn't mean that there's not going to be a consequence in eternity for us choosing to live a sinful life as Christians. So let's get into the King David's story. King David repented of his sins of murder and adultery, and yet Even though the Lord forgave David of those sins, the Lord decided to use David as an object lesson for any future believers who chose to ignore what they knew they should do or should not do. King David's earthly life, even after he had repented and was forgiven, was a life of sorrow and death because of his previous forgiven sins. God does that sometimes. Again, that's why the scriptures warn believers to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12 As you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Brethren, no one gets eternally saved through working out their eternal salvation through fear and trembling. So this is not a works gospel salvation plan. This verse is speaking of working out the details of our future judgment seat possible consequences before it's too late. This is why it's important to know your kingdom verses and your consequences, all those if and then verses in the Bible that warn a believer, if you do this, then I'll do this. As children of God, we can work out, i.e. save ourselves from bad things happening to us at the judgment seat of Christ by being found faithful to God's word by Christ. So we do what the book says. We We follow what God's word says. We obey his commandments. We walk in a manner worthy. We, we, we sin, we stumble, we get up, we keep moving forward. We don't grow weary, okay? We deal with the sins that take us down. All those things are part of us being found faithful. And if we would understand that the judgment seat is not going to go well for us if we are not doing those things, the fear of God should wake us up and make us do the right thing. James chapter two, verses 12 through 14. So whatever you say or do, brethren, remember that you'll be judged by the law that sets you free. There'll be no mercy for those believers who have not shown mercy to others. But if you believers have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your works? Can that faith save anyone? Now that question is not in regards to salvation. If you're living an immoral, wicked, lazy life, lackadaisical christian life you will not be saved at the judgment seat you are going to get a bad judgment you are going to have eternal consequences that you're going to regret forevermore so work out your salvation with fear and trembling this is not a new teaching christ said the same thing basically he told believers of his day that if they were not willing to forgive others that their heavenly father would not forgive them are you understanding this stuff well, how can it be? How can you not forgive me? Well, that's because you didn't forgive others. There's going to be a consequence at the judgment seat for any believer who refuses to forgive someone else who seeks forgiveness. That's just how it is. Sorry, get over it, deal with it. So all you believers who got bitterness or jealousy or an unforgiving spirit, just be reminded at the judgment seat of Christ, if you're found to be an unforgiving person, God's not going to show you mercy. So, what are the consequences going to be, Brother Bob? Well, I've been telling you all along. There's all different kinds of consequences. But if the Lord finds you unforgiving, maybe you're bitter or jealous. Maybe you've lived a life of immorality. Maybe you lived a life of uh, un- being ungrateful. Whatever it is. A- as a believer at the judgment seat, the Lord's gonna He's gonna say, Well, Brother Bob, you know, you were pretty faithful, and I'm gonna give you a job in the kingdom of doing this. And uh, another one you'll say, Well, you know sister Sally you really were a faithful gal you really served me you kept my word you did what I said i'm going to give you a lot more responsibility in the kingdom but to some believers he's going to say you know what you did nothing for me you did a, you did squat for me you were loving the world you're loving the ways of the world you didn't you could care less that i hung on nails and died for you you know the consequences is going to be for you outside the kingdom You're not even going to be in the presence of these other faithful believers. You're going to be kicked out of the kingdom and you're going to spend your life in a place of sorrow and regret. Again, brethren, he's not a Santa Claus God. He's not some big fat guy with a beard, ho, 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 and all day long. All right? He's a holy and just God and we're going to get exactly what we deserve. If there's things in our life that we didn't deal with Especially when it comes to disobeying the scriptures, if, if a brother or sister comes along and shares the things of God's word with you, more things and things that you read and you go, wow, I see what it says, but you don't do it. There's going to be a consequence for that. Okay, if you're somebody who's living in sin as a believer and a brother or sister out of love comes to you and says, hey, you know what, what you're doing is wrong, and and God's not pleased by that, and you just ignore that, there's going to be a consequence for you in eternity. I tell you right now, you got to understand this stuff. And if you think you're gonna wait till the day before you die to get right with God. If you're a child of God, you can't wait till the day before God. This is a twenty-four seven life you're living. Again, he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for commitment. He's looking for dedication. He's looking for an attitude to want to serve him, please him. He knows we're going to sin, but he expects us to deal with it. If we're just loving the world and the ways of the world and ignoring his ways and his teachings to love the world, there is going to be serious consequences in eternity, believers. You need to get this down pat. So as the book of James says, simply being born again is not going to save you from a bad judgment at the judgment seat. You understand that? Simply being born again. The judgment seat of Christ is not about judging who's born again and who's not born again. It's all about judging how faithful you were as a born-again child of God. And I promise you right now, there's going to be a lot of Christian parents at the judgment seat who are going to be severely rebuked because they tolerated and accepted having their little, sweet, innocent children in today's anti-God, immoral, hedonistic, socialistic, pagan government school system. The Bible warned and Christ warned it'd be better if you had a millstone hung around your neck To let these little ones stumble. And that we have a lot of Christian parents who are allowing their children to stumble. They're not obeying scriptures. The Bible says, do not be bound together with unbelievers. There's an example where I know there's going to be some serious judgment time for a lot of Christian parents who simply dump their innocent children in these cesspools because it's easy and convenient to go the way of the world instead of the way of God. Why there's a lot of unspiritual people in these churches? I mean, I'm talking about born again people. If you can't figure out as a born-again, spiritual child of God, how disgusting and wicked and vile it is to have your children in these government schools, I say woe to you at the judgment seat. May God be merciful. May No, maybe not. Maybe God shouldn't be merciful. So let's get back to the King David story. Even though the Lord accepted King David's confession and repentance for his sins, he, God, brought the spiritual hammer down on King David and his family, for David's previous sins, I personally believe that God did that because King David clearly knew that the adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of Bathsheba's husband Uriah, in order to cover up David's sin of adultery, were clearly wrong. In fact, they were so clearly wrong that even the pagan nations around Israel recognized how bad they were. Now, I'm not going to delve too deep into the story of David's sin, but I will delve deep enough to get my point across. Second Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. Then it happened in the spring, at that time, when kings go out to battle, that was David's first mistake, he was supposed to be out battling, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Again, there was his first mistake. He should have been out manning up and fighting. When evening came, David rose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful in her appearance. There's a semi-important thought. A lot of people falsely believe that Bathsheba was on a rooftop, openly bathing so that all could see her. That's clearly not what was going on here. From, Dav- from David's advantage, high up in his little palace or whatever, he was able to look down into places he should not have been looking into. I personally believe that Bathsheba didn't have a clue that she was being spied on. Verse 3, so David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba? the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Another important point. David was quite aware whose wife he was about to sleep with. Uncontrolled lust will take over a person sometime. David clearly knew that not only was adultery wrong, but committing adultery with your best buddy who's out there putting his life on the line for you is really despicable. In fact, even the Gospels, written thousands of years after David's time, bring up David's sin. Matthew chapter 1, verse 6 Jesse was the father of David the king. David was the father of Solomon by Bathsheba, who had been the wife of Uriah. Notice how the Lord threw that in and remind everybody how wicked David was. David bore the consequences of his sins of adultery and murder long after he had died. We'll get into that. So, short story, I believe that King David forces himself and Bathsheba, i.e. he rapes her using his power and prestige as a king, and then sends Bathsheba back home. In Samuel eleven four. 4, David sent messages and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself for, from her uncleanness, she returned to his house. Notice, notice, he took her. Now Bathsheba knew that she had sinned, so she kind of abuses the law of God and does Leviticus 15:18. If a man lies with a woman so that there is a seminal omission, they shall both bathe in water and be unclean until evening. So shortly after this adulterous affair, David gets word that Bathsheba is pregnant. And he knows that his buddy Uriah, who is Bathsheba's present husband, is not home. He's out faithfully battling for the king. So King David gets sends out the word to get Uriah back to his home. And he tells Uriah, go sleep with your wife. Go home, relax, enjoy your wife. It doesn't work though. Uriah is so dedicated to King David that he sleeps on the front steps of David's home, seeking to protect David all night long from possible enemies of David. So now King David's in a full panic mode. So the slime ball, King David does whatever he needs to do to get Uriah murdered. So King David sends Uriah to a sure death, fighting on the front lines of a very intense battle. Isn't it amazing how stupid we can be when it comes to try to cover up our sins? Rather than just going to Uriah and confessing his sin of adultery to David, David instead, probably too ashamed to face Uriah, has him murdered. Doesn't make much sense, does it? Well, we're going to see shortly that King David does not get away with his sins. In fact, the Lord considers David's sins so evil that David is punished for these sins long after God forgave him for the sins. So David's plan to kill Uriah Uriah works, and this is what happens next. 2 Samuel 11, 26-27, when Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her and brought her to the palace, and she became one of his wives. He had already had all kinds of wives. Then she gave birth to a son, but the Lord was displeased with what David had done. You think? I know, I know, I'm getting a little bit long-winded on this King David saga, but it's important. You got you to hear the whole thing here. In Second Ch- Samuel chapter 12, we have a story of the prophet Samuel exposing David's sins. Listen to the consequences of David's forgiven sin. 2nd Samuel chapter 12 through 15. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house, King David, because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up evil against you and your household. I will even take your wives from before your eyes and give them to your companions, and they will lie with your wives in broad daylight. Indeed, you did something secretly, but what I will do will be open and seen by all. And then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has taken away your sin. You shall not die. However, because this deed you have done gives occasion for the enemies to blaspheme the Lord, the child that Bathsheba had is going to die. So here we have King David, the Bible says a, a man for God's own heart, repented of his sins of adultery and murder, and yet God said, you know what, David? Too bad. I mean, I'm not going to kill you, but until you die of old, an old man, uh, you're going to see all kinds of problems in your family and in your life because of these sins you committed. Now people say, well, I thought he was forgiven. Well, he was forgiven as far as not dying, but he still had to pay some serious consequences. He he ended up, his wives were unfaithful. His sons were sleeping with his wives. There was chaos in the family. There was all kinds of problems. And the Lord chose to put this lifelong earthly sin consequence on David because of his choosing to disobey the Lord and do the things he knew were obviously wrong or sinful. What happened to King David is a type of what's going to happen to believers at the judgment seat of Christ. I believe a lot of believers today are getting away with a lot of sin, unrepented, worldly, lukewarm attitudes, um, just don't really have a love for the word. There's a lot of things going on, and the Lord's tolerating it. He's hoping that people repent. But there's going to come a day when believers are going to answer for this. Now, it's not going to be an earthly consequence, it's going to be a kingdom consequence. So, what's going to happen is the Lord's going to wait till the judgment seat of Christ. And at that time, all these things are going to be revealed. All these behaviors, these lukewarm attitudes, these lackadaisical spiritual behaviors, their disobedience to God's commandments, all these things are going to be brought up. And then the believers are going to suffer kingdom consequences for all those behaviors that the Lord deemed unfaithful. So let me bring this all to a conclusion. In a similar manner, like what happened to King David, a church-age believer is totally and completely freely forgiven of the hell debt they owe God for their sins through their faith in the gospel of Christ. But they are not totally and completely fi- forgiven of the next-life kingdom consequences for those same sins, especially if they're sins that are just like unrepented sins, if they're just casual sins where believers just kind of wallow in this lukewarm disobedience to God's word there's going to be consequences if believers aren't faithful in sharing their faith there's going to be consequences if there's believers who are not faithful in forgiving other people there's going to be consequences if you're a gossiper see there's all kinds of things that the children of God are going to be held accountable for at the judgment seat of Christ so brother Bob again what are the exact next life kingdom consequences when the Lord finds us unfaithful great question but I'm going to leave it right here. We're going to stop right here. I'll finish part four next week. But again, remember, uh, you got to stay in the word, people. The only way you're going to understand and know these kingdom verses and the consequences of, of our walk with the Lord being good or bad is if you know your scriptures. If everybody has this happy-go-lucky attitude in their mind and think, well, I go to church, I sing songs, God will be pleased, you're wrong. Okay, There's a lot of the scriptures that we're supposed to be obeying. And when we disobey them, there's consequences. And it's going to show up at the judgment seat of Christ. But let me leave you with this. The Bible says it's a terrifying thing for a believer to fall into the hands of our Heavenly Father. Wow. That should scare the bejeebies out of people. Again, you can get a hold of me at brobob4him@gmail.com. That's b r o b o b 4 him at gmail.com. That's B-R-O-B-O-B number 4him at gmail.com. And I guess I encourage you all. There's a lot of podcasts out there. God's Word Unfiltered. Please take the time to check them out. You might not agree with everything I share, but... If you love the Word, love the Lord, want to do what's right, you're going to be encouraged by what I share.